Welcome to the Field of Church podcast. Our church inhales and exhales the gospel every Sunday and is excited to bring our messages to you here. Thank you for joining us and we hope God moves in your life as you listen into this feed. Wow. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Uh, it's one of my favorite hymns of all time. I grew up loving that song. Can, can I just say to you guys, worship team, uh, band, all you guys that work so hard, could I just say on behalf of the church that's uh, tuned in every Sunday at 11 o'clock, what a blessing you are. Uh, you know, in these difficult times, you, you have taken us to the throne room. And uh, I know in crazy times, I have looked forward to 11 o'clock just to worship the Lord. And I, I'm just amazed. Listen, guys, you, you can't imagine the amount of work it takes to put these on. I, I'm in awe of these musicians. I'm in awe of their hard work. And it's because they love the Lord and they love you. I'm in awe of Jason Paredes and the incredible teaching that he's done. This, this is a hard gig to do. I'm just telling you, get up here and speak to only a small group and not used to the big crowd responding back. But boy, every week, week in and week out, he just opens the word it's just amazing what he's done. He is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Bible teacher. Since he's my boss, he's my favorite Bible teacher, I want y'all to know. So. But I want you to know, uh, y'all have blessed us. Jason, you've blessed us with the Word. And today, I, I'm honored to get to stand in Jason's place. He is with Virginia and the kids getting a much-needed vacation and rest. And um, I, I'm honored for the privilege of sitting here. I feel a little bit like a backup quarterback who's been holding, you know, the clipboard all this time. But uh, now I get to come into the game, and I'm so excited about the passage of Scripture we're going to look at this morning. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 14 while you're turning to that. I just have a question for you this morning, a question that maybe, uh, I, I don't know if you relate, but for me, has there ever been a time in your life has there ever been a time when, because of circumstances or because of what's going on or even a bad choice you've made, it just feels like you can't find your footing? I mean, everywhere you step just seems like shifting sand. Just feels like you don't know the right direction. You, you have no firm foundation. You don't have that blessed assurance. You, you just seem like you just can't get your footing. Well, you, I think Timothy was that way. I mean, here's this young Timothy. I mean, we've been reading through First and Second Timothy, and he's been talking about false prophets, and he's at this church, and he's a young man, and, and Paul's trying to encourage him in the faith. And here we are at the penultimate message of First and Second Timothy, and, and Paul, I think, and these are, in fact, probably the last written words that we have of the Apostle Paul, and he's going to share this important word to Timothy to encourage him. And it's going to encourage me today, as I hope it encourages you. So turn with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy in chapter 3, and we'll begin at verse 14, and then we'll just go left to right here and see what God has to say to us this morning. He starts with, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. But as for you, Timothy, anytime you see that, but as for you, you you've got to wonder what goes before that. There's this contrast. You, and, and what he's saying here, if you look back at 13, he says, they're evil people. They're imposters everywhere. They're going from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And here's that, what I'm talking about, that unstable, that shaky ground. And he's saying, but, but not you, Timothy, 
no, no, no. You, he says something which I think is the central part of our verse this morning. He says this, continue in what you have learned and believed. Don't have shifting sand, Timothy. Don't, don't go where they're going. Don't wander off to evil places. Don't, don't be uncertain. No, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. And then I think he gives us five encouragements, five ways to continue in what we've learned and believed. And the first thing he, I believe, he says, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and believed because of the character of those who taught you because of the character of those who taught you. It says right here, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred scriptures. Well, you're probably wondering, well, who was, who was Timothy with in childhood? Well, we find it, just turn one page over and you'll see, you go to Timothy, 2 Timothy, right earlier in the letter, chapter one, verse five. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure, dwells in you. You see, Timothy grew up in the home of a father who was a Greek, Did, didn't believe in the Jewish word of God, Did, didn't believe in the Torah, didn't believe in the words of the prophets, and, but his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois, they, they were not only schooled in the word, but they schooled their child Timothy in the word, and, and they were godly women. They were women of faith. They were women that staked their lives on the word that they had, and they instructed Timothy in the word. And then later on, we, we can read later on here how either Paul or maybe one of his disciples came to Lystra and told him about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You, you see, Timothy had godly examples in his life. Godly examples, and because of that example, he was able to trust in the Word of God. We know that to be true in a, in a courtroom. You know that the, that the testimony is only dependent on the character of the person who shares it. And I want you to know that, that godly character and a life lived in godliness is a witness to the reliability of this Word. I, I grew up. I grew up in an incredible home. I grew up in the home of... Dorothy and Glenn Weirich. I mean, they were the Joan and Ward Cleaver of the spiritual life. Now, no one gets that except an old man like me, okay? If you don't watch Leave it to Beaver, you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. But June and Ward Cleaver, they were the quintessential example of parenting, and we all tried to raise our kids like Beaver Cleaver was raised. My parents were amazing. I'm, I'm going to tell you more about them at the end of this message today, but could I just tell you that because they loved the Word of God, because they sat with me and taught me the Word of God, I, in difficult times, which, by the way, this last nine months of my life has been the most shifting, most difficult time I've ever been through. I've had such a hard time trying to find my footing, but I found it in the Word of God. And one of the reasons that I can continue in what I've learned and what I've believed is because of the character of those who have taught me. Can I just say a word to you, young people? Listen, I know sometimes you think it's not cool to listen to your parents, but if you had godly parents like I do, you're going to leave their home one day and you're going to travel out to college and other places and you're going to hear sound bites and political rhetoric and you're probably going to go to a liberal arts college and you're going to have a professor who maybe doesn't know the Lord and you're going to start hearing things that make you question the word of God. But what I'd encourage you to do, check the character and the integrity of those who are speaking. 
your parents, don't wander off. If you had godly parents, or maybe you were raised in the church under some godly ministers, don't you just wander off at any old word. Look at the, the integrity and the character of their life before you start believing their message. You see, I, Timothy was able to continue in what he learned and believed because he had of the character of those who taught him. But then, th- let's go on. It, it says this, he, and from childhood, verse 15, And from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Continue in what you've learned and believed, Timothy, because of the power of the Scriptures to save sinners. There's power in this word. The book of Romans says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power unto salvation. Listen, there is no other power that can transform lives like the gospel of Jesus Christ. Timothy's life was transformed when he heard the gospel. My life was transformed when I heard the gospel. All of you probably know of people in your life. Man, they were, they were renegades. I, I know you have. You were in the music field. There are a lot of renegades in the music field. I grew up in it too. And there, there's some strange folk out there and they're doing crazy stuff and wild stuff and living so apart, living on a destructive path. But all of a sudden, when the power of this word comes into their life, they have a radically changed life. What has the power to do that? Not some politic, not, not some way of, of different kind of thinking. No, it's the power of the gospel That's the only thing that has the power to change lives. And it changed my life. When I sat down, my parents taught me the scriptures. But one day on a mission trip in San Benito, Texas, a friend of mine, a young lady sat down with me. And even though I grew up in a pastor's home, I grew up in the Beaver Cleaver home. I want you to know she sat down with me. And for the first time, I recognized I was a sinner. Just being a good kid didn't matter. Just growing up in a pastor's home didn't matter. Ultimately, I was a sinner in need of grace. And it was God's word that told me I was a sinner. It was God's word that changed me and I was transformed. The old had passed away and the new had come. I wasn't even recognizable anymore because of the power of the scripture, because of the power of the word of God. Boy, I'd love to stay there for a while, but we've got to move on. A third reason that I believe Paul gives Timothy is this in verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God. Now, my goodness. I mean, we could camp out here for days and talk about the inerrancy of scripture, the inspiration of scripture, the the infallibility of scripture, but I'll leave that discussion to theologians much greater than I But let me tell you that I believe that the Bible, this word is the inerrant, verbally inspired word of God without mixture of error in its original context, its original texts. You can base your life on this word. I have based this life and my eternal life on the reliability, the infallibility, and the inspiration that God breathed this word out. Now we could stay there a while, but can I just talk about the word God breathed for just a minute? God breathed. It comes from a Greek word. It's theonoustos. Theo meaning God. Noustos, we get our word pneumonia from that word. God's breath. This is the very breath of God. Does that just make you a little bit in awe that you're holding in your hand the breath of God? This word, as a matter of fact, is a transliteration from a word we see over in the Hebrew. 
if you turned back to Genesis 2, you'd see this word. But you remember the creation account in Genesis 1? Anytime God, when God was getting ready to create the heavens and the earth, what did he, he just spoke them into being. He said, let there be, and there was. But when God created you and me, when he created man, he got intimately involved. Genesis 2-7 says that he, he knelt down or he got down on, on the ground. And he picked up the dust he had created, the clay, and he molded it into the shape of a man. And then the holy, infinite, almighty, all-knowing God took his lips and he placed his lips on our lips and he breathed into us the breath of life. How intimate is that? Can you just see a holy God breathing life into us? That's physical life that he breathed into us. Now we turn over to 2 Timothy 3.16 and we realize that he breathes in us to again. And this time he breathes out into us the word of God. The Holy Spirit through the power of the gospel is our breath. This is the breath we breathe. This is the breath that we breathe and it sustains our life. It's the very breath of God. And can I tell you? This word, it's the love letter of an intimate God who wants to be intimately involved in your life. How dare we, how dare we take this word and put it on a shelf when the intimate, holy, infinite God loved us enough to breathe this word into us, to give us the kiss of his love on his lips to our lips and say, here's my word. I want you to have an abundant life, a life full of abundance, but it's found in this book. And we put it on a shelf and we never look at it again. How dare we turn our backs how dare we turn our backs on the infant holy God who wants to give us the kiss of the divine by reading his word? Oh my, dear people of God, we should honor this book. We should hold this book high and realize this is the God-breathed, intimate word of God. Man, how can we give so little time to it? Well, I have to move on. The fifth thing that I believe Paul is saying to Timothy it says all scripture is God breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. Timothy, continue in what you've learned and believed because scripture is profitable. It's practical. Scripture is this profitable, practical thing that we need in our life. And one of my favorite theologians is John Piper. I love reading. I love hearing him teach. And I, I log in to him and I listen to John Piper all the time. And, and he says it's profitable for teaching and then three sequential ways. It, it's profitable for teaching by reproving us. Reproof. And reproof, let me tell you what that is. That says you're doing it wrong. You're going the wrong way. Stop doing that. Stop teaching your wife that way. Stop talking that way. Stop acting that way. Stop parenting that way. Stop it. That's the wrong way. Stop. And then it says correction. Not only does he say stop it and just stop that. No, he says, no, let me show you the right way. Turn around. Here's the right way to go. Stop doing that. Go this way. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and then instruction in righteousness. And here's how you stay on the path. 
You keep going in this direction, and as you read the Word of God, it keeps you on the path, but it has a purpose for training in righteousness that the man of God, and that that word means man and woman, it, it refers to both, that the man of God may be complete, may be mature, fully equipped for every good work. You know what that's the definition of? That's the definition of godliness. When, the, when a man is, or woman is fully mature because of their training, their reproving, their correction, their instruction in righteousness, they take on godliness because they're equipped for every good work that God has for us to do. And, and can I just show you how valuable and profitable godliness is? Turn with me back, if you would, to the same letter, 1 Timothy, the first letter, uh, chapter 4, verse 7. 7 and 8, says this, Paul writing to Timothy, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, but rather train yourself for godliness that comes from reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, and it holds promise for this present life and also for the future. He's saying, hey, God breathed in you this physical life, and it has some value. There's value in this physical life, but man, there's super value in training in righteousness. There's super value in godliness. You want Scripture to be profitable in your life? Well, well the physical life has some value, but the spiritual life has immeasurable super value for this life and the next. So could I ask all of us a hard question this morning? How much time, how much energy, how much resource do we put into our physical bodies? What we're going to wear, what we're going to eat, how we're going to work out, how we're going to keep ourselves safe, strapping ourselves into a car. What, how much energy do we spend on our physical life? It, it has some value. God breathed that life, but can I ask you the next question? How much time, how much energy, how much resource do you spend training in righteousness so that you might remember what you've learned and you might remember what you had faith in? Parents, could I ask you an even harder question? How much time do you spend worrying about what your kids are going to eat, worrying about what they're going to wear, where they're going to go to school and train up their mind how much sports they're going to play, and how much time do you spend in this Word of God with them? How much time do you give them to coming to the Bride of Christ, the Church of Christ, so they can sit under the teaching of people like Larry Dan Melton, our children's pastor, or Godly Man, or Matt Hunter, or the first time that you have a baseball game on Sunday morning, or a soccer game, or some select sport that you're going to play, do you pull them out? I just got to say to you folks, I, listen, we love sports at the Wyrick household. I had two Division I football players in my house. And if I could have one mulligan for you non-golfers, a redo, it would be that I would spend more time in the Word of God. The Bible says in the book of Psalm, how does a young man keep his way pure? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. I want you to know this world isn't going to get better. It's going to get worse. You think COVID is tough. You think what we're going through now, as the day of the Lord approaches, it's going to get harder and harder. And my children and my grandchildren need this word. 
They need this a lot more. And I, listen, man, I'm not down on select sports or anything. I'm just saying, be sure what you prioritize in your life. Because all of that stuff has some value. Don't ignore it. But this has immeasurable value. So Timothy, don't forget, don't stray. Continue in what you've learned and believed because Scripture is profitable. But there's one more. We find it in chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Let's continue and finish our text and bring this final point. I charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who will judge the living and the dead, and by one day his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season. By the way, preach the word. That, the Greek there is more than just what I'm doing. It means to herald or proclaim the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time's coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Sounds a little bit like our world today, doesn't it? People have itching ears. They want to hear sound bites about what pleases them. They want to hear someone talk to them and, and give them instruction about how they can get more, do more, have more, be more. And, and what Paul is saying to Timothy, share, proclaim, herald this Bible because the time is short. What he's saying is, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and believed because Scripture is the only hope for a lost world. It's our only hope. Listen, it won't be November 4th when we have election that the world's going to change. I want you to know the only hope is this word, is the word of God. And if you and I, who are heralds, who are believers in Jesus Christ, who have been studied, have studied the word and know the word, if we don't share the world, this world has no hope. He's entrusted this God-breathed word to you and I, and we've got to share it with the lost world while we still have time. Listen, I don't know about you. I've got neighbors. I've got friends. I've got a family member I've been praying for for 46 years that doesn't know Christ. I can't bear the thought of them spending eternity when one day, whether they make it in this life, if Jesus comes, whether they're still alive, or if they go and they die, I can't bear the thought that they're going to spend eternity without God in a godless hell where there's nothing, nothing of godliness, nothing that's good. Oh, people of God, we must herald this truth in season and out of season. And if we put it on a shelf and we never read it, how will we ever express the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ? I love this book. I love this book. But I got to tell you, I love this book even more. <laughs> you see, this is the Bible of my mother. My mother went to be with the Lord 25 years ago in her mid-60s. She died of lymphoma. But one of my favorite memories, you want to know what it was? I, they lived out in Noonday, Texas, right outside of Tyler. They had about 50 acres. My dad was a pastor there in Tyler. My mother was a teacher in a high school there. And I would go there and I'd take my kids. They loved going to the ranch there in noonday. And listen, my mother and I are both early risers. 
And I, I, I knew that she'd be up early fixing breakfast. Man, there's nothing like waking up to the smell of breakfast, especially bacon. You know, if you got bacon, man, that, whew, I can smell it now. Can't y'all? Yeah, it's time for lunch. But I, I, uh, I can remember the smell of bacon. I'd hurry and get up. And you want to know why? Because my mom was going to be there. And she did the same thing every time I was there. She would put me a plate down, sit there, and she never fixed herself a plate, but she'd bring the Bible and she'd sit down right next to me. And after I'd had a few bites, she'd pat this pop and say, Mike, what's God teaching you from his word? Man, I'd tell her a little bit about what I was knowing about scripture, you know. I, I, I would tell her what God's teaching. And then, and then she'd take this Bible and she'd unzip it. And she'd open it up. And I, I wish you could see. I, I, I know the camera couldn't pick it up, but on every page of this Bible are just these copious notes of what God had shared with her. And she'd go to some place and she'd, she'd instruct me about what God was teaching her. I want you to know, I probably learned more at the breakfast table of my mother than I learned in two years of my study at Southwestern Seminary, although that was an amazing place to study God's Word. I, I loved that time with my mother, and I want you to know she was a godly woman. An amazing godly woman. And one of the reasons I trust the word of God is because of her character and who she was. But I also grew up in the home of Glenn Wiry, an incredible pastor, an incredible man of God. He went to be with the Lord, Reggie, a couple of years ago. And I remember sitting at his breakfast table the week before he died. In fact, uh, I, he, he got out his Bible. He reached over and he pulled it over and he said, Mike, let me read. And he he turned to John uh, 14 and he said, he began to read about heaven. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my father's house or many rooms or mansions. If, if it were not so, I would have told you so. If I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, then I'll come again so that where I am, am you may be also. The words of Jesus. Then he reached over and got a devotional book and he began to read about heaven. He'd been studying. And then he put it down and he just looked at me and he said, Mike, he began to tell me his thoughts on heaven. They're amazing. And I heard this, this voice, even though it was weak and he was about to die, talking with the excitement of going to heaven. You talk about sound footing. When you're about to step into heaven, he's not worried about life. He is thinking about his eternal life. He told me, he said, Mike, I'm, I'm just so afraid. I haven't lived well enough. This incredible man of God to hear well, well done. I guarantee you, my father, and my mother heard, well done, thou good and faithful stewards. Because they were stewards of the word. I, I've got this picture I want to show you. I, I'd pull it up on my phone, but I couldn't show it to you. And so I've asked the guys to pull this picture up. That's a picture of my father. The very event I'm talking about, I, I snapped that picture and held it. I can't tell you over these last nine months how many times. How many times I've looked at that picture. Because nine months ago, my wife of 46 years went to be with the Lord, to be with my mother and my father. And it gives me such solace and such firm footing to know that my wife is there with them. And because I was instructed by Glenn and Dorothy Warwick, and because I know that these scriptures are truth, I know it because of the character of their lives. I know it because this is the only word that has the power to salvation. It saved me and it saved them and it saved my wife. And they have firm footing for eternity because of this word. 
I know it. I know it because this word is God-breathed, the intimate love letter of God. I stake my life on this word. I have found such footing and such solace in these uncertain times because I know this word is profitable and no matter what pandemic comes my way, the words of this book will lead me through it and I'll find firm footing. And I'll share this word in season and out of season with everybody I know because without it, they're going to spend eternity in a godless hell. Oh God, help us recommit ourselves to this book. Now, there's some of you who didn't grow up in a home like mine. There's some of you who have never had a mentor. Some of you don't even know of the footing I'm talking about, and you don't know. You've never become wise unto salvation like it says. I want you to know in just a moment, I'm going to ask our band. Guys, thank you all. We're going to sing a song. It's called Breathe. And this is an incredible song. It talks about the Word of God and how vital it is in our lives. But could I also tell you, that if you don't know Jesus, no matter where you are looking, you're never, you'll never find firm footing. It's only found at the foot of the cross where this book says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He became the atoning sacrifice. He took the punishment that you and I should have had. He went to the grave so that we don't have to spend eternity in death and in hell. Listen, I want you to do me a favor. In just a moment when this song, we sing it together. Or better yet, I want you to do yourself a favor. When we are singing this song, would you grab your phone and just text the word next step to 94253. The word next step. And a pastor, maybe me, one of our other pastors will call and will take this word and will lead you through and show you how you can find firm footing through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then for the rest of us, I want us to do something a little unusual. One of you is going to need to go and get the elements for the Lord's Supper. We're going to be reminded of how much God loved us, how he wrote that in his book. But if you have a printed word of scripture that you can go get, would you get that? Because here's what I want us to do. I want us to sing this song and recommit ourselves to the breathed out word of God. And for me, I want to hold it to my chest. Where as I breathe in and out, I can be reminded this is the breath of God. It's the power of unto salvation. It's the lamp unto my feet, the light unto my path. And if I'll just hold to this word, I'll be like a tree planted by streams of living water, which brings forth fruit in its season, and my leaf will never wither because of the word of God. We're going to worship now. We're going to remember how much God loved us. You text so that you might know if you don't know Christ, Right now, grab your phone, text next steps to 94253. Let's worship the Lord. Reggie, you come and you lead us.